Welcome everyone to episode four of Being Deskless with Ant Hill, where we share bite-sized advice for companies with deskless employees. I'm your host, Jennifer Harris-Crawl. For those of you that are new here, deskless employees are employees that don't sit at a desk, don't typically use a computer or have company email. Think employees in manufacturing, supply chain, and retail. They also make up about 80% of the global workforce. Today, I have a very special guest. She's the founder of Vocal Culture Garden, a boutique speaking and presentation firm that specializes in bringing out the kind of authenticity that actually connects people. She's an expert at what she does, and I am so grateful to have her here today. Welcome, Melanie Monique. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Thank you for having me, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me. Um, I did not say that you were my coach because and you were making me extra nervous, but that is the truth. <laughs> I'm trying to remember all the things you tell me while we go along. But anyway, um, yes. so uh, we have talked and talked about today, and so I'm really glad that it's finally here. There are so many mm -hmm. things that we want to discuss, but before we get started, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself with everyone. Sure. Like Jennifer mentioned, I'm Melanie Monique. I am the founder and the principal vocal culturist at Vocal Culture Garden. And what we do is we really help women align their inner voices with their speaking voices so they can create powerful outcomes and deep, meaningful interactions every time they open their mouths to speak. And you do that, although I'm a work in progress. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. it it literally is a process. And so give yourself grace. Yes. And you are also the communications expert I turn to when I when I am stuck. So um, let's yes. talk about communication. So today sure. we're going to talk about deskless employee communication in particular. It mm -hmm. seems like, though, communication in general today has just gotten more and more difficult. Um, and so I kind of wanted to start general. So why is it that you think people are finding it so hard to communicate these days? Well, let me tell you, it's not just these days. We are hyper aware of communication these days because we have so many channels in which we can communicate. But communication has always been an issue because think about it. People are most afraid because it literally requires a piece of yourself to be shared right? Whatever you're about to say, it's your thought. It's something that you've contemplated or not really contemplated so much. But once it's out there, it has the ability to be accepted or rejected. And that can be hard for many, many people. And also good communication requires active thought. It takes work, right? But when it's done right, oh, the reward is so good. And then possibilities become limitless. But communication is hard because it is hard. That's it. Bottom oh. line. Do you think there's also some fear now because everything lives forever that it, not only it could be used against you too? <laughs> exactly. And that's sort of what I meant by we have so many different communication channels. People are afraid to write their thoughts. People are afraid mm -hmm. to say their thoughts, not only because it's evergreen content now, right? But also because in more advanced realms, it can be altered, but still sound like you. And so it it's very, very tense out in these, what I like to call communication streets, but it does put a lot of um, fear 
and hesitance to just really be open with your thoughts, not to mention being um, respectability politics or being um, politically correct. All of those things factor into why we do or don't communicate. So it comes down to fear. <laughs> Basically. And work, fear and work. Fear, know. work, and sometimes um, even that fear of self. You know, yeah. over the years, of, as I've worked with clients, the number one fear literally is not actually speaking in front of people. The fear is, I will look dumb. I mm. will sound crazy. And so once again, that part of yourself that is afraid of being seen and heard. So fear is fundamentally it. Wow. Okay. I want to skip ahead and go to talk about a bunch of things we never talked about, but I'll stick to the, I'll stick to what we discussed and we'll have, a, have you on again soon. So um, deskless employees are notoriously difficult to communicate with just for the nature mm -hmm. of their job. They necess aren't necessarily in one place. Um, they're on the move. Um, they don't have company emails, those kinds of things. So what are your thoughts on the state of deskless communications and, and what kind of yes. barriers do you see for them specifically? Okay. First of all, I want us to have a really transparent conversation around communication and deskless workers, right? I heard you mention a stat, 80%. Was that correct? Yeah. 80%. It's, I think it's actually more than that, but yeah. So let us think about this. Over 80% of the workforce is deskless. That means they don't have access to these nice little computers with pop-up notifications all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And let's also be very, very clear. Our deskless workforce has not always gotten the same level of respect mm -hmm. that our desked workforce has. And so I would like to start the conversation there, just looking at the desk workforce as people who deserve the dignity and the consideration of robust, proper communication. Okay. So let's just start there for number okay. one. Let's start there. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I used to be a deskless worker. And in some respects, I still am a deskless worker, but I'm talking about the days that I worked in restaurants and the days that I worked on the retail floor, the days that I worked in factories, literally, I worked in a factory. Can you believe it? And so um, I know what it's like firsthand to get to work only to be told, oh, your shift was canceled after I traveled three hours on public transportation. Right. I understand what it's like to be on a retail floor working my butt off and not getting the communication that certain, let's say, sales have uh, sales have changed or product information has changed and looking absolutely crazy once the customer gets to the cash register and it's nothing that I said. So now I look crazy, right? And I've also been in the position of just being on a restaurant floor where you are, you're a server, you're a front of the house person, you're just going, 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 feeling very disconnected from what's the greater meaning here? What's the real purpose? And then being looked upon as if I am lower than or having less skills simply because I don't sit at a desk. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I love to say it, 
our deskless workers are often the frontline workers, mm -hmm. the mainline workers, and we as deskless workers impact that bottom line more than any other worker. And so let's just start there. So if anybody deserves some thoughtfulness around communication and a robust strategy to be communicated with is deskless workers. We absolutely agree. I didn't know, but uh, yeah, it, that, there are a lot of barriers. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you know, so if you, if, if we take what you just said as examples, mm -hmm. what are some ways that employers can begin to break down those barriers or work around those barriers and signal, at least start to signal, right. Yes. To their employees that we're trying, try to build trust, try to like even start to figure out where do they start? Okay. First of all, when I go into any company, there has to be a mindset shift. There has to be a mindset shift that is based upon some of the fundamental things that I just spoke about. Oftentimes, the deskless workers, they're looked upon as a commodity. Mm -hmm. A commodity. Think about that. Toilet mm -hmm. paper is a commodity. So we don't give much thought to it. It's almost like we say it, you do it. Bark. Obey. You're a robot. We program what you're supposed to be doing. You just go out there and do it. So it's really going to start with employers, managers, supervisors, leaders having a mindset shift that says these workers are our front line that impacts our bottom line and they deserve the dignity of real heart centered communication. And I'm going to say that again, heart centered communication. Right. And so other barriers are not just the mindset, but often um, leaders, managers, supervisors, they literally, Jennifer, are not trained to communicate right. well. They're not trained. So when you have a manager or a leader who knows their role, they know the action that is needed but they don't know how to communicate to get that outcome. They don't know how to communicate to really get the employees to champion the cause, align their energy with the cause, the company culture and things like that. And they end up accidentally because of lack of training, making enemies, making people with um, workers who don't have energy to carry out their position with excellence and diligence, right? And so we've been in environments like that and it is hard to recover from that. But, oh, I tell you, it's possible with good communication. Also, many companies with desk workers have a huge workforce and they haven't taken time to strategize how can we communicate effectively with all these different workers effectively in a timely manner? So that takes strategy, it takes process, it takes programs. And nowadays we know, and you know at Ant Hill, that it takes tech. Yeah. There is no way around it these days. Now, I'm not saying that tech is absolutely it when it comes to communication, but it is shown in research that when companies enable tech to communicate with their deskless workers, as well as allow it to be a two-way channel so that the deskless workers can also communicate back and collaborate, engagement goes way up and so does productivity. So we have to be really purposed in our minds as companies, as leaders to look at these barriers one by one, 
the mindset, the training of the communicators, i.e. the leaders, the supervisors, the managers, and look at our programming, our strategy. Do we even have a strategy or is it haphazard? And look at these things one by one and begin to put a plan in place. That's a really good answer. Um, <laughs> it's I my truth. <laughs> it, it is. And, and you said a couple of things that I want to address. So one mm -hmm. is you talk about heartfelt, heart-centered communication, which I think in business people, especially when it's, you know, we're in the middle of a shift or we're at the end of a shift and we need to get this done, or you just, you're just trying to get some information to someone, right? Yes. You don't always stop and think in those terms, or maybe it sounds fluffy. So can you explain that a little bit and kind of how, why that applies to business and how that applies to business and why it isn't fluffy? <laughs> exactly. It does. Oh, heart centered. It sounds so soft. It sounds so fluffy. It sounds so woo woo. But I'm going to tell you, it is that I'll explain to you what I think heart centered communication is and why it's so effective. Heart-centered communication is literally just acknowledging the humanity in the mm -hmm. person that you are communicating with. As if you are not a person, right? You're a person. You know what it feels like for somebody to just completely jump over what you say and get to their point. You know when someone is really listening to you or not. You know when someone on some levels are giving you the fluff just so you can go and do some tasks. We are in a point in our society, Jennifer, where people are not opting into that program anymore. People are literally walking off jobs. People are not only walking off jobs, but if they're really disgruntled, they are proactively ruining products, yeah. services, company images. I mean, look, haven't you seen those videos on social media where uh, an employee will literally record themselves doing something egregious that would make the end customer not want to deal with that company anymore or their products. So having this heart-centered approach where we are literally making sure that we're communicating clearly, making sure that we have, and this is going deeper, so you're going to have to bring me back for this, okay. but making, su making sure that we have the right tone of voice Yes. Making sure the timing and the consistency of our message is accurate. All of those things matter, but that takes training and skill. But the reason it matters is because you want to maximize productivity. You want to maximize energy in your employees. You want to maximize the overall beginning to end process for your employee that only yields what companies really, 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 really care about. And that's the bottom line. And so the bottom line is a reflection of each individual employee's output. So when you hear me talk about, if anybody is watching and you see me on social media, you might hear me talk about voice, wellness, and creative output. It is all connected, especially for these companies. If the employee is feeling like they are communicated too well and can communicate effectively back and collaborate, their sense of well-being exponentially goes up. And you know what that does? That gives them excess energy to do and to create on the job, which makes the employer happy because the bottom line is effectively met. 
that's why it matters. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a conversation that, you know, an organization would need to have and, and create something that would help with all the things you just said, training, frontline managers, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And so let's, I think that's a great conversation to have at another yes. time. But for today, yes. let's just say I'm a, I'm a shift leader or I'm a ops manager or whatever, and I happen to be watching what are kind of like two takeaways? I don't have the company support. You just talked about we aren't start, you know, I'm going to go talk yeah. to them about that now, but we don't have it today. But what can I do like today? What are a couple of things I can keep in mind? Or I can say, like, for example, I am fine with saying, I don't know. <laughs> to people. Um, and yeah. I'm also fine with just asking, you know, people yes. with me uh, if I don't have the answer or just ask them, how are you feeling? How are you? But are those kinds of things, things people can kind of, take on themselves and start doing? Um, Absolutely. So Jennifer, let me just acknowledge what you just said. First of all, you're saying, hey, I'm a leader, manager, some type of supervisor, and my company at large doesn't necessarily have a strategy or training to help me speak to my deskless employees effectively, right? But what can I do? Because I know this communication needs to happen. So you said, can I just check in with them? Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? Yes, yes, yes. That is one of the most simple yet effective communication strategies ever possible in any environment. Because one, it says to the employee that you actually care, that you actually care. And let me let, me let you in on a little secret. Even if you don't really, really care, but you manage to say, hey, how are you today? Just checking in. They feel like you care and they are more willing to cooperate and align their work and productivity with the company's goals and mission and all of those things. Okay. But there are some other things that you can think about as a manager or supervisor to really begin communicating well with your deskless workers. One, just think. Let me say it this way, since it just entered in my mind this way. Think to yourself, I want to engage in communication with my team, my employees, the same way that I would go after somebody I want to be in a romantic relationship with. Right? Talk about heart-centered. We know we've been in places where we're like, oh, that person is so attractive to me. I want to communicate with them better. I want them to know me better. I want to share a little bit more about who I am with them. And we actively, the word is actively, go after them. That's what we need to be doing with our desktop's workforce. So as a manager, keep communication open or at least begin communication. Let your workers know that you are present and here. And that can look many different ways for your company. It could be um, greeting your employees every day as they come in. It could be instituting um, team huddles um, every day just to give a, a woohoo meeting or a shout out or I see you or welcome back to work today. Or if you have tech, that you're using already at your company. It could be sending messages of acknowledgement, messages of encouragement. You do not, as a leader, only want to talk to your team around policy and problems. Ugh. <laughs> that is the quickest way to disconnect 
your team, your employees, especially this deskless workforce, they already are not sitting at a desk. They don't already they already don't get the perks always of being in community. Oftentimes they're away from a workspace. They're very autonomous. And if the only time they really hear from you as a manager is when you talk about policy or problems, they really don't want to hear it. So show up open up the line of communication. Let them know that you are there to greet them, to share successes, to encourage them, and that you are open. You are open to receive communication back. And that might simply be say, this is my email address. That might simply say, if you have any comments, questions, or curiosities, which is my favorite line, shout it out to me. But your employee has to trust that that communication line, one, is open, and two, won't cause any harm to their role. Yeah. What they share is going to be taken and not held against them. So I know I just said a lot, but just opening the line of communication and establishing that it's a safe and trusted line of communication is the first work. A million years ago, um, I read How to Win Fl Friends and Influence People, which now apparently is a controversial book. I never thought that I'd see that. But I remember, uh, and I've always remembered that, um, you know, the way to be interesting to people or have them like you is to ask them questions about questions. themselves. Yes. Um, so that never hurts. Like remembering somebody's dog's name or that they happen to have kids or that they just moved or, you know, so things like that. And just kind of mentioning that in passing, how is the move? Or, you know, I feel like that goes a long way. Absolutely. I call it rapport building. Yeah. And we definitely want to build rapport. And let's, let's think about it. If you were a large company with thousands of deskless workers versus if you were a small company, okay. When you have a large company, Upon onboarding, if possible, you should start to gather juicy, what I call juicy nuggets of information about your employees that are voluntarily given. So for instance, I work with a company and we gather information like your standard, what's your birthday, but things down as granular as your favorite book, what you like to do, if you have pets, your favorite color, what scents even, scents turn you on or disgust you. It was like this really fun survey that they filled out. And this was data that the company could use at different touch points to communicate effectively on a granular level and even collect data like, oh, wow, three fourths of our workforce have dogs. And so now they could communicate using dog jargon, if you will. And everybody, well, not everybody, but three fourths of the population feel really, really great. But then when you have a smaller, more intimate company, of course, you can do some of that on onboarding or you can just as a leader manager, listen, pay attention. You might overhear that it was your employee's daughter's birthday and just taking the moment to say, oh, congratulations. Happy birthday. You know, things like that go a long way to down the road, allow your employee to say, I'm really struggling or that tool that broke down that cost $50,000, I know what happened. You know, I was out in the field and I think I made a major mistake with a client. Those things built rapport and they knit 
safety and trust in the hearts of both the employee and the employer. Ooh, there are a couple of questions I still hope we can get to, um, but you just mentioned something which made me choose one or, over the other, and that's uh, about trust. So, yes. you know, we all know that's important. And, and let's say you're, you know, for whatever reason in, in your environment, trust has been broken, whether you're walking into a situation mm -hmm. or you um, just got hired or whatever, um, or you're, you know, moved. Ha, ha, what is a way to start building the, the, that trust through communication? That is a great question. The first thing to know is it's going to take a reset. As we, we've all heard the saying that trust is not easily gained, but easily lost. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a situation as a leader, especially if you're just coming into that situation where trust has been broken, understand that it's going to take time. I have a great, great client friend named Deetra U. Giles, who has a framework called DARE that I absolutely love when it's talking about building trust back in um, the kind of employee client situation. So first, you want to absolutely discuss plainly what the situation is, right? And you want to discuss it in a way where you're describing things, not um, not sharing your feelings about what happened. So for instance, if I come into a company and there's been some mistrust around how the executives actually care about the employees, I will simply say, I understand that there's a lot of mistrust and a lack of trust for the executives toward the employees. I'm not saying how I feel about it. I'm not saying if it's right or wrong. I'm just going to describe it, describe what's going on, state the obvious, there's a lack of trust. And then I'm going to go on from that in communication to acknowledge. After I've described it, I'm going to acknowledge that it is an issue for you. I'm not going to minimize what you feel. I'm going to listen to your complaints without feeling a need to defend myself as a leader, right? I'm just going to acknowledge. I'm going to listen. And then also, I think this is very important as a leader. We must always be acknowledging that we are biased. I'm going to say it again. We must always acknowledge that we are biased. One, we work for a company and we are the leader, right? Already that puts us as, at a bias oftentimes that we're right, you're wrong. But in the acknowledgement phase, you need to release that and just listen and accept without defending. Because when you don't, those biases turn into behaviors. And that's where the problem comes in. So after you discuss it, after you acknowledge it, you want to engage in it and experience with your employees, right? So this is about understanding their issue and then seeking to align them back to the productivity or to the culture or to the mission at hand. You're not trying to convert them necessarily or make them see it how you say, see it. You're just trying to align them back. And that can happen through asking powerful questions and asking questions that are centered around task and behaviors. So for instance, after I've acknowledged that the staff, um, the execs um, haven't respected you, you feel like they don't respect you, then I might ask, what does respect look like to you? What can we do to show that you're respected? And then we might have a long list of do's and don'ts. And then from those things, from those questions, we can agree upon 
actions because it's really not what you say, but the actions that you take on what you said that rekindle that trust and it takes time. Yes, it time. <laughs> time. What we're out of now. Action and time. <laughs> oh, that was so fast. I know. I have at least four more questions that I want to ask you, but we are out of time. Um, so I think that it would be great to have you come back and talk about new managers and all the whole thing about what to do when you are used to be a peer yesterday and today oh, you're now yes. people's manager. So I think that would be That's a great crazy. next step for us. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So Melanie, thank you for coming and sharing what you could in this short amount of time today. Mm -hmm. um, we have dropped your uh, contact information if people want to connect with you and learn more um, about how to have heart-centered communication with their deskless yes. employees. Um, so do you have anything you want to say before we go? I just want to encourage all of you leaders, managers out there, even companies, this, this heart-centered communication, it's not going away. And so if you want to be on the forefront of the workforce, the deskless workforce, get somebody like a me, get a communication strategist who really understands communication heart-to-heart -heart and bring in the training and make it happen. You will not be sorry. Awesome. Thank you so much, Millie. I'm excited to see you again soon. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks everyone. I can't believe that went so fast for joining us on this episode of Being Deskless. Come back June 8th when we will have uh, Amy Sperling, who's the CEO of Compt, and we'll be talking about what kind of perks to offer deskless employees to help you retain them. You can find more information about Ant Hill at www.anthill.co. Thanks. Have a great day.